Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. So welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast, where each week I'm joined by some of the world's most renowned faces in the entertainment industry, on the sports field, corporate leaders, and inspirational thought leaders around the world, each sharing their own truths and personal journeys. Today, I'm joined by none other than Harley Bonner. Harley is an Australian actor best known for his roles on one of the longest-running TV series, Neighbours, and most recently, Home and Away, playing, as Harley puts it, the dream role of Dr. Logan Bennett. After suddenly departing the show at the end of 21, 2022 gifted Harley the opportunity to live out another lifelong dream, spending a year traveling around the world, learning meditation intensively, and studying the hermetic sciences. Harley is a wealth of wisdom, and today joins me on the podcast to explore very much hermetic sciences and everything in between. I'm excited because it's something I am predominantly interested in. I've read lots about it. I've heard so many interviews about it. I want to delve a little bit deeper today. So I'm very, very grateful to welcome Harley to the show. Thank you very much, mate. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I heard so much about you from uh, your lovely mother, Carla. And uh, one thing that interests me, what we're going to delve deep into a little bit later is everything that you've done since going on your journey, I suppose, inwards, meditation, hermetic sciences. But I suppose because a lot of people, a lot of our audience in Australia predominantly know you for your roles on Home and Away and Neighbours, there's nothing like taking... Um, two iconic shows, mate, and just jumping from one to the other, eh? But uh, you've been on two of the most iconic shows in Australia, which puts you in good stead. So that's amazing. But let's take it from the beginning. How or why did you first get involved in acting? I was, um, you know, I've I've asked myself this question a lot and uh, I've always been really, really interested in people. And um, so there was a natural penchant toward observing people, watching people, the, the interactions between myself and other people, between people that I wasn't involved in. Um, and that along with the obvious mum's an actor. And so I was, <clears throat> I was, I was, I was um, what's the word? exposed to it. From an, from an early, early age. Like I remember being maybe six, well, maybe five, four, five, six and going to auditions with mum or, or going to, she did Hungry Jack's commercials. I remember rocking up to one of those and she's getting her hair and makeup down the little trailer and blah, blah, blah. So it's been a long time that I've been exposed to it. I, you know, but there was a period in my life where, uh, you know, I wasn't working and my identity was like, you know, internally it caused a lot of mayhem and, and it forced me to ask the question, uh, you know, why is it that I chose acting, you know, as opposed to anything else? Is it, is my identity an actor or is it that I'm, a, I'm, I'm naturally creative and I was exposed to the acting world? So I think it, it's, a, it's kind of a perfect little blend there 
between my natural interest in in people and uh, my, my creativity and then what I was exposed to, essentially. But there's something that your mum said on, on the chat I, I had with her the other day, but she was talking about a lot of the superficial side of the industry that she hadn't perhaps seen at the beginning. But I suppose with yourself, being around your mum and growing up and seeing some of the behind the scenes of what it actually does take, did that, I suppose, put you in good stead to keep your head on and keep yourself in check and not get out of that? Because I always say we can't judge people when people are on a journey and everything's been thrown at them. There's cameras, there's gifts, there's this and the other. Our ego can take over. So how did you keep Mm. yourself in check? Was it predominantly because your mum had been in and she kept you in check or your own man as well and you're growing up in this industry i would say being being mum mum getting onto neighbors in a, in the era when it was you know cl- sort of closer to its its largest in popularity um i was eight when she started the show and so in primary school i was the famous woman's son and so there's a type of uh there's a type of fame that comes along with that and and then and with fame there is a a you get people who want to know you and want to hang out with you purely because you're famous and it's it's not a slight on anybody who even does that because there's a really interesting you know if you, if you look at that from somebody else you know, they're not going, oh, I want to see what I could get. But on some level, there's this idea within them that being connected to this person is going to is going to do something for them. And there's some tr- some there's some truth in that. But but I also found it quite repulsive when I was younger. And 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 what became very clear very quickly was when somebody was authentic. And when they weren't, and it wasn't just, it wasn't like a guessing game where you see one person speaking to you and another person, you're like, Oh, which one's, which one's, which, you know, it's, it's like a innate feeling that you, you either connect with someone or you don't. And if some, if you don't, you know that you don't and nothing flows, um, then one of you is pushing the envelope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? And a lot of the time they were pushing the envelope with me. You know, and so I got to see very quickly, you know, and also too, you know, I, I got to see a lot of the people that were around mum, they were cool, they were great, you know, lovely people, et cetera, et cetera. But as you get older and people start to peel off, um, you start to see that people peel off as you grow because you're just simply not in resonance with them anymore. Right. And uh, so, you know, in mum's case, I saw her transformation over a, a, a bunch of years where I remember having had a, had a conversation with her and, and um, you know, she, I'm sure she went through it where she had a period of her life where you just, particularly in that level of fame back in Australia, back in those days, you just you kind of can't keep your head on straight. And so you, if, if you're trying to be something other than you are, you're going to attract people who are in resonance with the, with the idea and the persona that you've, that you've cultivated rather than who's actually in resonance with your spirit, with you, right? So, you know, it's been, it's been a massive learning. It's been a, it's been a journey of, of, of figuring that sort of thing out. But, you know, 
now in hindsight, I'm probably I'm probably consolidating a lot of it and <laughs> conflating a lot of the experience. You yeah. tiny little package like, oh, it's really simple. Yeah. Um, but of course, there's micro movements along the way that um, that led to this kind of consolidated understanding. But I mean, to have that level of self-awareness, like that discernment, I always say in noticing when people come to you at right moments in time and the authenticity and all that kind of stuff. I heard a little story again by your mom. She's dropping you in here, mate, (laughs) that you were very intuitive at a young age, moving into taking a year out meditation. What delved you into this journey of looking inwards on yourself? And did that come from a young age and that you carried it through? There was always something in you that was more about exploration rather than just the external things that we see. Yeah, I've got memories from a really, really early age. Um, from a year and a half, I remember my, my. I think probably my earliest memory that I've got on file right now is standing on this washing machine in our bathroom. Mum's got me up there, toweling me down after a shower. Right, like that's that's as far back as they go. The innate uh, tendency for that type of thing is is quite evident has been there the whole time so i remember being three four and uh, my down the road from my grandmother's place i had some friends and their parents were Hare krishnas and i remember watching uh uh the dad in the living room doing a, a prayer ceremony ritual with a rose and i remember looking at him and i and i asked him what are you doing and he said, uh, I'm, I'm blessing the space and I'm blessing the world and I'm, you know, essentially wanting the world to smell this, the, the, the beauty and the sweetness of the rose. And um, <clears throat> so then I went home and I asked mum, <laughs> I said, can I go to, to the temple with, with uh, you know, my, Joss and, you know, that, that whole crew. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I remember, I remember getting to the temple and walking in there and a part of me was looking, looking for something. There was uh, the, the impulse and the tendency and the innate knowing was expressing through my physical little body and going, oh, you know, what is it? Where, where is this thing? You know, it was that, you know, blending of the physical and the spiritual thing and and i remember distinctly looking there and actually not finding it (laughs) you know um and then from that point i got myself baptized at like nine um but before that and this is the you know the tendency's always been there 100 percent uh but had it not been encouraged it may have been a different story right now. In fact, of course it would have been because you, you know, you change one variable in somebody's life. It's like the, the butterfly effect, you know, yeah. and yeah. all of a sudden yeah. you've got a completely different set of circumstances 30 years on. <clears throat> and so when I was three, I was actually writing a book and I was going to save it for the book, but whatever. Uh, when I was three, <laughs> I, um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, my dad fell out of a three-story building wow. out, out the balcony, hit the ground, and went into a coma. And uh, he had an out-of-body experience the whole time for 18 days. 
So he was taken to what he would describe as taken to heaven, thrown in hell and not not knowing whether he'd ever come back out. Um, wow. <clears throat> he was shown how many people would be his funeral if he were to die being the person that he is today. You know, sort of, you know, your souls weighed on the scales, you know, in a manner of speaking. Shown what could happen to me if he were to pass away now. Uh, uh, and he was just, it was 18 days, right? He was, went above the, the hospital and, you know, he had the silvery tether attached to the belly button down to the body and blah, 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 blah. And he's watching his body. Anyway, he ended up surviving. Uh, obviously, otherwise I wouldn't be able to tell you that story. Um, <laughs> and when he left, he walked around the hospital to see if what he saw was true. And it was true. He saw, you know, everything to the finest details was was that. But one of the things that took place in that um, experience for him was he was being, uh, there was a pretty gnarly experience taking place and uh, essentially he was saved by light, as he would describe it. And uh, light presented itself as, as well, this light being as, uh, uh, presented itself uh, as I am Kung Fu. <laughs> He was a martial artist, but he didn't do Kung Fu. It just presented itself that the the communication was I'm Kung Fu. Anyway, three months later, he's, he's walking down the street on the Gold Coast, you know, obviously still a little bit tender, blah, blah, blah. blah, And and he saw a dude hitting a a wooden dummy, which is a a Wing Chun um, training instrument. And he went, I've got to learn that. Walked in. Teacher turns around, gives him a big smile. They meet. They end up living together for for two years, training every day. Um, but they weren't just training kung fu; they were also training hermetics, and that's my teacher. Wow! All these years. So dad would dad came home, and uh, you know from from Queensland, I was in Melbourne, and uh, he would read me this textbook. It's just like an instruction, a meditation instruction manual called Initiation into Hermetics, which is um, a book by Franz Barton. And I just remember listening to these, these very mundane instructions and just knowing that's what I have to do. Like I just knew and it never went away. And so then fast forward, uh, how many years, 20, 17, 18 years, whatever. And uh, I'm on, I, I book neighbours and I've, I've got a little bit of um, disposable income, you know, at that, at that point, you know, most money I've ever made in my life, 21, <laughs> very, very fortunate. And, um, and we had holidays coming up, school holidays, coincidental school holidays. And I, I just went, ding, and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to try and find my teacher. And so I looked him up. Found him, booked in a, a, a retreat, and uh, I went to Thailand to Chiang Mai and um, trained with him for one week. The next year, I went back for two weeks, and then about a year later, I went back for two weeks again. And then I didn't see him for seven years until um, yeah, until I, I ended up doing this year. I, for anybody <laughs> listening to this, like, and they know you predominantly from your acting, like I said, scrap that. That's amazing. But this stuff, we're going to go deeper now, mate, because so you went 
and you learn from your teacher, you acquired all this new knowledge, you got to tap in. And I will say when you talk about light, I've, I've spoken about this in my journey before. The thing that I started noticing when mine developed and I went inwards and what annoys me when I'm doing these Zoom calls sometimes with a podcast is people just have this aura around them, this light. So I see light around people as well. So you're there and you're moving all the way and your actual face goes out of focus because all I can see is a turquoise blue all the way around you. And it keeps on like beaming at me all the time. And for anyone who doesn't understand it, they'll be like, what the bloody hell is he talking about? But for anyone that does, nah, when you talk about uh, your dad. That's, um, yeah, so, sorry, sorry, continue. I've got something to add to that. that was when you were talking about your dad and the things that happen and the people that have come towards me, it's almost like you attract these people. And the funny point, what I want to talk about these principles later and serendipitous moments was I was telling your mum that I reached out to her at the beginning of this campaign. She never saw the message. And funnily enough, she'd have been on the part of a journey, which was nothing to do with where she is now. Four years later, she posted something. I happened to see it the first post and it was about spiritual sense. I reached out. She got back within an hour. We had a great chat, obviously spoke about spirituality. And then she started mentioning, you need to talk to my son about this. So it just things happen for a reason. And yeah, with with you just moving around, I'm just pretty much like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, mate, stop going out of focus. All I can bloody see is this blue light just like beaming every so often. <laughs> On one of one of the first trips that I did uh, to, to Thailand, and we did this really long, deep sit in, in a particular frequency. Um, I came out and on the wall was just electric blue, like crackled electric blue. And I said to ask Mark, I said, oh, I'm seeing a crackled electric blue. And, and uh, he said, oh, he said, that's uh, the Kabbalah letter K. That's your predominant frequency. And what you've just seen is exactly that color. Yeah. Wow. This, it's funny how it all comes through again, when I'll, I'll make it really quick, but I was even speaking to a friend who was very influential of faith and we were sending voice notes like I've been sending you. And then one day I'm like, can you turn your TV down? Because it's like I could hear a conversation. Can you turn your TV down? Like at least if you're talking to me, I can't hear you. I can hear a conversation. I can faintly hear your name. And she came back afterwards and she was like, I'm in a room. There's no one in this room with me. I'm like, hold on a minute. That It sounded like you had your TV or radio really loud. So I went back to the voice note, played it. Silence, just her voice. So then I was like, whoa. And she was like, welcome, Glenn. When you start getting in tune and things happen like this, it's just incredible. Anyway, this is about you, mate. So <laughs> meditation. No, 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 please. I love it. Riff, riff away. Meditation, going into it. Hermetic sciences. Can you explain for anyone unfamiliar with hermetic sciences what actually it is? Essentially, it's, a, it's an old, uh, well, supposedly Egyptian system. And it would seem an Egyptian system. Um, an old and ancient way of, of utilizing the elements and old wisdom, um, essentially to experientially grasp the, the fundamental principles of, of universal law and utilize them, uh, to make life better, to make, to essentially, it's a spiritual, it's a spiritual system. And what I mean by spiritual system is predominantly what we focused on and what the main sort of tenant, it's so hard to say the main tenant, there was like just to to give perspective for the first five months 
we were doing four or five hours of meditation in, in, just in class in the morning with my teacher of all these different, and we'd learn probably three, four, five different exercises uh, per day. Um, so to say the main tenets, like there's a lot in it, but yes, one of the main tenets is, is cultivating stillness. And in order to cultivate stillness, you want to be able to understand what the opposite is, static noise. And when you are able to identify your static on your mental, emotional, physical layers and, and what produces them through recognizing uh, the causation of all of your patterns, of all of your behavior, all of everything that, that, that essentially makes up the personality we identify with produces all this static when you can bring you know layer by layer to stillness what's left is consciousness and what's left is the your vibrational match to god to universal to original consciousness so it's it, it is there's a you utilize all of these different uh tools and all these different principles that become obvious when you do the practices in order to cultivate more stillness, in order to be in union with God. And once again, what I mean by in union with God is, you know, there's a statement, uh, there's a saying, uh, be still and know that I am God. You heard that one? Mm-hmm. Well, essentially what is meant by that, at least that what what seems to be meant by that, is be still and know that I am God. So it's, it's, it's bringing yourself every layer of the identified self into stillness in order to recognize yourself and be in resonance, allow the mind to move up the vibrational scale high enough that it is in this pure, uh, pure aspect of itself. That's in complete resonance with universal consciousness. So it's be still and know that I am God. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's a spiritual system. There's a, there's a lot to it. There's a lot. <laughs> can go down. As I say, guys, um, I got talking to Holly about, what, two, three days ago, and he sent me down a rabbit hole looking into all this. I'm obsessed now. But what is your ultimate belief? And I always say to our audience, we can only talk from a personal experience. What is it that you believe? Because I've noticed over the past several years with the world being exposed and a lot of things we thought were right is actually wrong. And a lot more people are becoming, as some people like to say, awake. But all that is, is a sense of going inwards and feeling and sensing things aren't right. What's your belief? You know, I've got this funny relationship with, with belief that I'm, I'm investigating right now and I have been investigating for the past year. <laughs> and um, what we generally call belief comes from what we believe and the concepts that we cultivate and, and the, um, the identities and the labels that we place and everything are cultivated and produced essentially by our past experiences, right? We, our, our ego or our personality or what I call the cultivated self or the self different from yourself is the ego references the past in order to predict the future and to 
essentially label the present. And that's where belief as, as many people would, would, would utilize it comes from. So it comes from a, from a, a layer that's lower than objective truth, essentially. So what I would, it's a really hard question. I don't, it's like what I'm, what I'm leaving for my category of belief is exactly what you were saying is within personal experience and those higher layers of light as we do these deeper meditations and as we as we sort of as i put it you know you you get in the elevator go up to the next floor and you look out and you know you've got the same view every every floor but as you move higher you've got a a different perspective on on the same view and that's the same way that meditation largely functions when you produce when you cultivate stillness relax and release up the vibrational scale you just suddenly know things that you that you didn't know at the start of the meditation and then you leave the meditation you're like oh what was that again oh because you now your mind is not in resonance with that layer it hasn't it hasn't um hasn't got its uh, center of gravity in that layer yet which is a goal to to essentially anchor it into higher and higher layers levels of light and so belief you know anything that i believe i have to look at why it is that i believe it and the causal chain like what thought what feeling uh, and then my how does it how does it cause me to uh want to respond physically within this world and and then really look at that and go is that subjective or is it objective you know so i'm sure there are there's a lot of beliefs in there that aren't necessarily true like we say it's that personal experience that the higher these levels funnily enough i was speaking to someone who's very spiritual yesterday and she was talking about you'll notice these levels the higher you go but it's almost like the higher you go on this side is completely opposite to how deeper you have to go within yourself the direction of things is it's a funny one we you know we say up and then you know when we say deeper it's there's kind of an insinuation that we go within or down or whatnot but it's Essentially, when you are going deeper, you're relaxing and releasing hmm. layers of the of your perception of of what it is of the energy that you are actually uh, interpreting and interacting with. And so, the more that you the the more that you see what's there, you recognize your perception from from a distance from the observer. You can relax and release deeper into that frequency and essentially move beyond the, the perception of what it is. Cause you know, like my teacher would always say what you're experiencing, let's say you have a, you know, interesting meditation. He said, what you're experiencing, it's your perception of the energy. It's the way that this, the energy rebounds and reflects off of your, uh, particular subjective opinion on all really, really subtle levels, even, that colors what it is you're seeing or what it is you're feeling, what it is you're hearing, what it is you're sensing. And so by witnessing the, the, the perception of, of what it is, you relax and release deeper and let go, let go, let go, let go. Hard to do sometimes when you're having a really interesting experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you're like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to stay here. Right. But, but uh, essentially, you know, it all comes down to release, 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 release. 
So then with that being said, we were talking about it briefly, that, that there might be a little bit of a different interpretation for you, as you were saying. I'd love for you to go essentially deep and explain it. When we're talking about mental health, mental illness, from your personal experience, you said that you kind of had a different take on it from your teachings and what you've learned. So can you explain that a little bit? Um, yeah, so the way I've come to view emotions and, and reactions is largely boils down to patterns, right? So you've got the causal chain of any reaction, any situation you find yourself in, any any uh, thing you feel, your, any, any expression you feel yourself compelled to express. There is a, a causation chain of thinking, feeling, and then action, and you're moving from mental through the astral or, or the energetic layer of yourself into the physical layer of yourself, and then you're expressing. So, for example, if if uh, I always use this quite macabre example, but you think about a parent passing away, right? It might start as something that you don't feel at all. Like it's just, ah, oh, it's just a thought. It's like, oh, and then you hold it for long enough and it builds enough energy, it builds enough momentum, builds enough mental uh, energetic mass that it drops down in density into into the astral, into the into where all the feelings are, into where all the concepts are, into where all the all of the identities and beliefs are. And then you hold that for long enough and it starts to affect your physiology and you cry. Or depending on your relationship, you, you might laugh. <laughs> you know? But um, what I'm really interested in is, is there is this There is this uh, not expectation. It's this idea that living a human life is experiencing the breadth of emotion, the breadth of 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 uh, your internal world. And I've seen a lot of people uh, uncover things within themselves. Right? They they find a bit of stillness something new information will come up but then there's a type of stick to that emotion right as as a as a as a pattern that from that point in, from my perspective you want to release on that magnetic bond mm. between your between consciousness and uh and 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 the, the pattern itself cutting the energy source so that you're not perpetuating patterns uh that don't serve you now, now i spent you know i'm an actor like I've, I've spent a lot of time looking at every last little detail of my of of my personality and every piece of pain and like i utilized it for so long it was funny you know for the longest time i would find something that was particularly excruciating like oh okay shit oh, i could use that for i could use how can how can i use this and how can i texture this this uh, unique um, multidimensional aspect of life into scenes, into my characters, into da 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 da. Um, and emotion is obviously a very normal aspect of life, but 
it also subjects us to a lot of rhythm, right? Now, I'm not saying don't express emotion. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying quite the opposite. But if, if we're used to constantly pulling up, uh, pulling up pain, for example, and then if we're, you know, if we're going to work through it in a therapy type sense, and then we're going to express it out through tears or, or rage or da 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 da, it has its, it has its function. But you also have to be hyper hyper aware of, of that tipping point where you go from, oh, okay, there's something new that I can release on and not, further identify with it and make that part of you like oh now this is what happened to me 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 you want to relax from that's still static that's mental emotional and then obviously physical static and people can people can really get stuck in that in that wormhole so um i mean i would always encourage everybody to to investigate what makes them tick their thinking, feeling, action, causal chains and really see what their patterns are. Be hyper, hyper honest with who it is that you have cultivated over the course of your life. But don't move into the point where that is now your new identity. I'm loving this conversation. That's why, guys, you need to get a pen, a pad, pencil, whatever, to write some of this stuff down because a lot of this and a lot of the principles like the seven main um principles in terms of what you've what you've learned and cultivated and instead of going way too deep on each principle i mean how can you live a lifestyle of the hermetic principles and adapt them into your way of life so we didn't really focus predominantly on how it is that we will would utilize each principle in order to uh in order to live our life by the principles, it's more an acknowledgement of, okay, well, when I'm in, okay, for, for example, um, we've got polarity, right? So, uh, and rhythm, polarity and rhythm. So we've got the spectrum. Let's say we've got um, anger and then willpower in terms of the fire element spectrum of things. There's there there's a there's a, a, a use for cultivating pre, what we call precepts, which is essentially like your own personal ten commandments, right? Like it's that's what that's what precepts are, and they they are in there in order to mitigate you hitting your the, the lows of your lows. Okay, so um, and they 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 are they serve the function of okay, well. well how am I going to create a, a, a floor and a, a foundation which I don't drop below? Uh, and, and, and what's the outcome of me? Like, how do I, how do I um, which precepts am I going to choose in order to produce the outcome uh, that, I, that I desire? So if you look at rhythm and polarity, you've got, um, you might be really willful one day. But you've also got this aspect of your personality that is super fiery, super um, uh, impulsive, super uh, abrupt, da-da-da-da-da. Now, you hit the peak of will. Rhythm and polarity says you're going to slingshot back down to the bottom of the same pole, right? So when we look at, um, we look at essentially isolating the highest 
aspects of our personality and and using high degree of awareness so as to not dip below it, right? Because also, you know, you look at, so let's say um, one of my precepts, um, let's just say uh, humility, right? We've, the, the, the four main or the five main, we've got humility, devotion, reverence, sacredness, and then ultimately stillness, okay? So the, regardless of what precepts that you, you're employing for yourself, you've got to produce a certain amount of energetic mass around them in order for them to uh, impact your life and in, in order for them to be somewhat of an autopilot response. Hmm. So in, in the beginning, there's a lot of awareness around not dipping below a certain point because particularly when you're doing this, this kind of, you know, really deep meditations, high end deep meditations, <laughs> um, you you have the propensity to slingshot. Like the some of the highest, some of the highest, the the, the, the most profound frequencies that we touch within this process. <laughs> Very soon after, like me and my friends were just talking absolute dribble, right? Like it's it, it, it's it's really funny. We were laughing about it because it's just that is one of the universal laws. So getting back to the emotional aspect of things, if you allow yourself to ricochet off of, you know, every, anything and everything just because that's part of being human and that's your existence, you're setting yourself up for absolute chaos. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, that's the crux of my perspective on it. And now am I a master of that? No, but, but the foundations over the past year have been laid in order for this stuff to make perfect sense <laughs> you know like oh you see what you what you absolutely need to do yeah. right and uh it's like what what produces the most amount of peace what produces the most amount of clarity what aids you in your pursuit of whatever it is you're after and what is a deterrent what's what's of detriment to it you know so um Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This conversation, man, it's just, um, it's mind blowing because everything, as I always say, this journey of the IPC in perfectly perfect campaign, if anyone's going, what's IPC? It literally has took me on this whole journey from the start of this podcast of talking about mental health and the ways in which we can overcome it. And as it's grown and it's got bigger and it's got more people involved in it, it's become more predominantly spiritual and people talking about God and faith and um, hermetic science now. And it's just all these principles around and learning to surrender. And I think if there's anything that I can take away from it and what I want our listeners to is start to look outside the realm of the ego and look into these practices that everyone are coming on and talking, because do you believe in a sense taking time away from shows and you're acting. So what's kind of been your experience the more, as I say, you've tapped inwards. This study that I've just done has been my number one bucket list activity <laughs> my, pretty, for, for as long as I can remember, uh-huh. right? I had originally said to my now wife when we first started, look, I'm probably going to go away for a year at some point, just so you know, like it'll be, she's like, okay, cool, cool. Probably not thinking that would ever happen. Um, but I put it out there. That was what I needed to do. And uh, I said, look, I can't do children. I can't, I can't do all these things 
until I have done this. Like I feel this so strongly inside me that until this done, if I did, if I had children without going and doing this first, given the, 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 the massive like compulsion to do so, it, it would feel like an absolute injustice to myself, to my children, to you, to everybody mm-hmm. in my immediate vicinity. And in the, you know, like I need, I have to do this. Right. And uh, so she went, okay, cool. <laughs> All right, calm down. Go. Um, you got yourself an amazing down. wife there. <laughs> oh, she, tell me about it. She's spectacular. We're at my grandmother's place and, and uh, we're going to sleep at 11 o'clock. And for some reason, I decided to look at uh, YouTube. <laughs> like, I don't, it was like, oh, there's my phone, YouTube. I was like, what am I doing? Like, it just happened. <laughs> And uh, and then I saw a video from my teacher and it said, I'm shutting down my Vimeo channel. And I was like, oh, for God's sake. Yeah. Anyway, I clicked on the thing on the on the video and being like, what the hell is this about? Anyway, he said he's, he's shutting down his Vimeo channel, which he didn't end up doing. But in the video, he also said, I'm wanting to take on, I'm wanting to stop teaching. I'm thinking, oh, great. And then, he, and then uh, he said, but I want to take on 10 uh, existing students to basically do an intensive year. And in that moment, I went, whoop, and everything just synced up. And I went, oh, God, I'm already there. I can feel it. I'm already there. Yeah. Oh, no. And then I'm looking over at Nat and being like, oh, no. Because I now I don't know whether I told you this, but I'd proposed like a month earlier. Right. And within 10 minutes of the proposal, she'd already booked in the date, the place, the everything. <laughs> and it was three months from that point or four months. And so I... Uh, <laughs> It was the next day I said to her, listen, babe, you know, I said that I was always going to do that year. She's like, yeah. And I was like, how would you feel about me doing it this coming year? Because I just saw this video and she's burst into tears. And I was like, oh, I'm not saying that I, (laughs) I haven't committed to it yet, but I'm just wanting to see how you feel about it. And, uh, and um, she said, I'm only crying because it's perfect timing and and you you have to do it. And, uh, and I was like, oh, man, and all of a sudden it became real. But I had to send off the email to Mark, my teacher, and be like, hey, listen, so, oh, you know, we, you know, cool if I come over and join. So on the way, driving home back to, back from Melbourne to Sydney the next day, I sent off the email, throw my phone down. And I'm like, oh, don't look at it for like an hour. And then I pick it up and I'm like, oh, yep, yep, coming over. When, when can you come? And I'm like. Oh, because it's meant to start January, but we were getting married on Feb 18, right? And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to get married first. Can I come a little bit later or is it going to be too too late within the training? He said, no, no, you've done you've done a lot of the foundation. So just, you know, come over. And uh, so, you know, moral of that whole ramble is it ended up being the, the, the greatest blessing of my life today, like truly. And and now that I've finished it and I've, I've looked back at the year and, because I said to Nat, when I get back, we can start doing, we can start planning children, we can start doing all these things, and da 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 da. And it, I couldn't have been more right about my decision. I couldn't have, I couldn't have, I couldn't have done a more correct thing for myself and my family, and 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 then everybody else that that I, you know, I'm going to pass this on to. Um, and you know, I knew this from eight years old, six years old. 
right? Like there's, we have spiritual, we have a spiritual tendency, you know, as my teacher puts it, you know, you've got your physical body that's, that's, that's worrying about the present, you know, from sort of morning to night, shelter, you know, sex, food, all these things. Then you've got the, the astral body or the personality, the accumulation of beliefs, ideas, patterns that you've been given and created over the course of your lifetime, which is, which is considering the timeline of, of uh, birth to death. And then you've got the spirit, which is dipping in and out of these lifetimes. And it, if, if you look at things from that perspective, if you, if you are able to center your mind in the spirit, in that higher part of yourself, find stillness, raise up the vibrational scale, create a gravitational force in that place and, and use that as the lens through which you view life, you start to see that you start to see things from a completely different perspective. You start to see things that based on the evolution of yourself and the group consciousness, you start to see things from, from, from a, from a collective perspective. And then, and, and, and you start to see that the way that a lot of the world runs is not from there, right? It's, it's, largely based on survival you know and and um when you look at it from this from a spirit's perspective and the more that you that you spend time in those higher places in those in those refined states of of mind and of consciousness there's a real sense of continuity right it's that elevator you get up to the 10th floor in the elevator and you see things from the 10th floor perspective and you just know that there's continuity now, right? You just know there's continuity. So a lot of the lower aspects of the personality and, and, and of, of the, the accumulated self, as I like to call it, they start to fall away and, 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 and you start to operate from that higher place more often and hopefully with as little rhythm as possible. <laughs> I love this man. And one of the things I was just picking up there whilst I was just, I was listening away is that because you had such a self-awareness and you were tapped in at such a young age from eight, like everything they have accumulated an incredible career. You've been given this amazing platform through the hard work, but do you feel in a sense as well, we was talking about that and you said you are, you are, I can't remember the word you were on about whether people understood it or not, but that's those serendipitous to take you into a blessing to learn what you have. We've all been given a mission placed on our hearts. And a lot of people around us don't understand it. Like even with Imperfectly Perfect, some people would be like, you've been doing it for four years and you've not been making an income on the side of it. And I've been doing this and this. And it's the same as, you know, when something is far bigger than you and look how big it's got. The same as what, but a lot of people around you can't understand it. Do you feel, obviously knowing you've got a mission, that the platform through acting and everything else was just really tuning in to what you are supposed to become. Yeah. And on a multitude of levels, actually, you know, the, just, just the, the, the fact that, that this, this vocation, this career acting, this particular craft is, is largely viewing human behavior, right? You're, you're viewing, you're, you're having to observe humanity on its, as pure a level as you possibly can so that you can recreate it as purely as possible and as truthfully as possible. Uh, 
you know, I was, I've said to a bunch of people, I've, I spent a decade solidly. <laughs> there was a point where acting was never not in the, in the, in sort of the background of my mind and I'd be observing life and, and really feeling the correspondence between people, between people in environments, between, uh, you know, conversations, relationships, da, 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 da. And, uh, within hermetics, one of the most important aspects from, from my standpoint, um, I mean, it is one of the most important aspects you can, people can try and circumnavigate it all they like, but it's eventually got to come back around and do something with it. And that's introspection, right? We've got something called the black and white soul mirror. So essentially you are having to spend, you know, it's a, you know, there's a, you can spend a couple of weeks. It's, it's a lifelong thing, but to begin with, they say, spend it, spend a week uh, looking at all of your negative characteristics as they arise, right? Spend a week looking at all your positive characteristics as they arise. And the way that you do that effectively is you start by watching the rise and fall away of your thoughts, feelings, and compulsions to, to behave. Right. So I'd been doing that for 10 years straight before I really got on this, this particular journey. And um, what I recognized in that was that my teacher would say, anything you're exposed to, you build an immunity toward. So if you're, if you're able to accept every part of your personality, good, bad, or indifferent, and see it objectively, you build an immunity to its effect on your life. Right? So um, where was it going with that? <laughs> Just flow. Whatever's supposed it, to it, it'll, comes it'll out. come back. It'll come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, intro, the introspective stuff. And the way that you do that is by watching the rising, falling away of thoughts, feelings, and actions. And the more you find that the more within that particular practice of watching the thoughts rise and fall away, you, you, you first really see that there's a difference between thinking and observing thought. And then when, you, when you're observing thought and not caught in thought, there's a, there's a stillness that accumulates when you're sitting in the observer seat. There's, a, there's a, a buffer of stillness that takes place. And so rather than thoughts coming into the mental landscape and then your mind is going bang and then all of a sudden you're, you're, you're in, a, in, a, in a story, you're in a thought, it comes in, you see it come in and you go, do I want to energize that thing or do I not want to energize that thing, right? But seeing everything, people, you know, I've worked with, uh, with some people uh, over the course of the year, you know, uh, sort of coaching them through. And uh, that distinction between thinking and observing thought is a really big one for people. Uh, and, and not only that, there's this idea that what we resist persists. And uh, it, was a, it was an interesting learning for me helping a friend through uh, their particular struggles was don't, don't resist anything that comes through. Nothing's the, there is no boogeyman. You've, produ- you've created the boogeyman. And in fact, only once you have looked into, and I don't like using these particular terms, but the dark corners of yourself, because I, I do it like that because it's, to me it's a little bit laughable. Right, like the, the the darkness within. It's like, yeah, you are capable of a number of things, uh, given the circumstances, the right variable variabilities in place. Absolutely, you're capable of, of of absolute atrocity. 
but you shouldn't be afraid of the of your of your mind right there's nothing to fear with the mind allow whatever it is that comes up to come up because your your subconscious and your unconscious is exposing itself in order for you to recognize that as something that may be affecting your trajectory through the patterns that it perpetuates right mm. it it affects this is that this is karma this is cause and effect right if you don't if you are scared of looking at your causes the effects will look like uh, random chaos but they're not right they're not they are they are entirely predictable if you start to break down that causal chain of thinking feeling and action and then once you see these things and you see it come up and you see the mind want to touch the thought and then you employ release essentially which is all that really is i mean there's a lot to it and go very 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 deep but the way that I explain it to people and the way that I've given it over to people uh, um, successfully has been the mind is, is, is either in an expansive state or it's contracting on something. It's either in awareness or it's latched onto something. Now, you try and squeeze your fist, right? You squeeze your fist as hard as you can and then try and put your mind outside your body, outside of the fist, it's always going to come back here, mm-hmm. right? So identifying tension and stresses within those layers of your system and then employing that feeling and dispersing the energy, dispersing what we would call the, the magnetic uh, electromagnetic matrix that binds this energy to the thought, to the body and, and compels it to behave. You release on that release, 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 and you're in a constant state of release then nothing you, you really you really start to gain clarity on the reality of a situation rather than because any any sort of fear any sort of like ideas uh, are essentially your mind energizing what you believe but most of what you believe is an accumulation of patterns that have been given to you early on in life and they're not necessarily given to you <laughs> by you know, given to you intelligent, intelligently, it's been reactionary, right? And so you, that's how everybody has a subjective view of life. But there is objective truth also. Man, this is such an incredible conversation. I, I think we're going to have to do part two. <laughs> we're going to get you back on the yeah, show. Love to. But like, because <laughs> I want to go even deeper with all this. But there's two questions I, I, I want to ask you. One of the main ones which we ask everybody on the show, from your principles, from everything that you've learned over all this time, especially in the last year, what does being imperfectly perfect mean to you, Holly? You know, man, I've been thinking about this one long and hard. What it does um, incite me into talking about is is that these 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 input these perceived imperfections right the idea of imperfection uh, are all based in concept all based in belief all based off comparison to something else right but at the end of the day if everything is original consciousness and you can have an experience of original consciousness and everything is you know that we consider to be reality which is you know any sort of energy that's close to form vibrating close to form or in form um everything is 
everything is divine in a way, right? Everything is in in perfect. Everything is in perfect harmony and perfect balance. And so, you know, for for anybody listening, like I just I just encourage everybody to to really investigate the the way that your mind the way that your emotions and the way and affect the way that you live your life and affect where you find yourself because that universal principle of of cause and effect of karma this is one that we don't have a proper grip of which is why we find ourselves in situations that uh are situations of of disharmony right like it, it, it there's this there's it's dis it's there's a lack of harmony because we, we, you know, like Sadhguru puts it, he said, I've heard him say it a bunch of times um, that, you know, we've got the most advanced technology in ourselves, but we've never read the user's manual. We're behind, we're in the driver's seat. We've never read the user's manual, you know, and that's, um, I mean, that, that pretty much sums it up, you know. What next for yourself, Harley, because on one side, you've got this incredible career, but this side and this sense, oh, my God, it's deep. Like, so is there any plans to, like, what, YouTube, get this video out with your knowledge, with your wisdom? Because that wisdom was placed inside of you for a reason. So what's new? What's, what's the next project for you? I mean, largely so, you know, what my teacher was doing in getting us over to, to train was was – to basically train us up in order to teach. So we learned the whole framework, the whole foundations of everything. And what it seemed to do was it just put our prior interests on steroids, right? And and my interest is people, right? My interest is is in the mind. My interest is in is in harmony, on people living in a harmonious way. It's largely in relationships. So I you know I've got a, a lot of plans. I'm writing a book at the moment. I've been writing it all year. And it's it's part um, it's part biography, you know. A lot of what we discussed. Uh, there's meditation principle broken down into layman's terms. Uh, there's meditation practices in there, and there's musings. Like I've got a character uh, characterization of of um, ego and consciousness and how they intertwine with one another. Um, but you know, all I can look at is what's obvious to me right now in terms of what, what it is I, I am to do. And there's a lot, man. There's a, I'm going to be starting an Instagram. I'm going to be starting maybe a YouTube channel. I just need to sort of sieve through what is going to be the most effective way to get out these particular things. Um, I'll be doing courses at some point. Uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of, a lot of keynote speaking. And, uh, you know, because in, in regards of just one thing that pops up was, uh, is, is speaking to young people young dudes about relationships, relationship, you know, to themselves, relationship with others, um, healthy relationships with a significant other. Like, what does that look like? How do you take, uh, as Jocko Willink puts it, extreme ownership for yourself? How, how, what is the, how do you mechanically do that so that it makes sense and it's not just a concept? It's not just an idea like, yeah, take complete responsibility. It's like, okay, but I also think that this person doing this to me was their fucking fault, right? Now, not saying that people aren't subjected to to, um, 
you know, heinous acts of other people, other humans' behavior. It's not about that. But getting back to cause and effect and karma, if, if you allow situations to texturize and color your experience of life, your subjective view, then what what happened physically, right, percolates and, and reticulates within within the emotional body, within the mind, and it, and it bounces between and, and starts to add new tuning forks to your system, which will inevitably, or well, it's adding new resonances, new things that you see, right, and directions that are obvious for you to go, it's going to texturize where it is you go. And that may not be by... That may not be the direction that you want to go. So, so this idea of taking ownership for yourself and instilling a sense of pride in this introspective process—that's um, that's a huge goal of mine. That's that's a that's a big goal. And and the other um, sort of step one goal would be getting people to the experience of 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 recognition and recognizing themselves as the observer not the observed right Mm -hmm. and it's and it's a very very simple process and what i've spent a lot of time doing which is what i want to share that's very it's the basic stuff right but but you know the basics are the best between that thinking feeling and action um causal chain i've spent a lot of time raking through the micro layers of that and so I'm, i'm really excited to share shine a light on those micro layers um, so, because it's, it's, they're there for everybody to see within it. But if we, if we're minds and the, the emotions are constantly moving at a pace that they are generally with the amount of stresses that we experience in life, um, we, we, we skip past all of this, uh, all of this, uh, you know, these micro movements into this, boom, boom, you know, so, so, just giving people the keys and just shining a light on the things that they've already got so that they can make sense of it themselves and they can start to practice life in a, in a way that benefits themselves, the people around them and, and positively impacts their environment. <laughs> you know, that's, that is. Go on, sorry. I thought you it. were going to say that. <laughs> I was just going to say no, it. no, 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 no. It, it's a huge goal. And I think it's an important one, especially when you spoke about like, enabling those future generations because I'm in my 30s and to be honest with you if I'd have learned this stuff back then it'd have blown my mind because now it's like I'm a child again in my late 30s with kids of my own going oh my god I'm learning all this it's blowing my mind imagine if I'd have equipped myself like it's a different world totally different world so I just think it's amazing what you're doing I thank you Matt and I reflect the same sentiment back to you well, guys, I'm going to put all the links up to where you can find Harley. We will, if he wants to come back, have a part two. We'll get him on the show again, guys, because this has been an incredible chat, not just for you guys, for me to learn it. Um, I'm going to be following some stuff, so get some YouTube videos up, mate, and let me know your teacher because that just blown my mind. Um, but, guys, remember, the main thing about it all is keep having the hard conversations because it is the hard conversations that save lives. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org. 
or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect Campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.